Hello and welcome back to Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Etheridge. We are here to recap week looks like uh, in this precise moment. So um, we will do that here in a minute. But first, I have to let you know that this episode of Highway to Hoover and every episode of Highway to Hoover this season is brought to you by Brock's Gap Brewing Company in Hoover, Alabama. That's a good opportunity also for me to remind you to head over to D1Baseball.com and purchase your tickets for our live show Monday, May 22nd, 7 p.m., uh, to get $15, but with the $15, you'll have the opportunity to ask a question to be answered by Mark and I on stage. Not even limited to baseball. If you just want life questions, um, you know, yeah. food questions. Yeah, uh, we're pa- practically wizards. Philosophy we have all the questions. Answers. That's right. Yeah. Because the secret is we don't have to really answer. We can just, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but you know, so with 15 bucks, you'll get the opportunity to ask us a question to be answered on stage. You will get a draft beer from Brock's Gap Brewing Company and a $5 donation to Arts and Autism, a local uh, organization serving children with autism that is near and dear to Mark's heart. So some value there for your 15 bucks. Head over to D1Baseball.com, D1Baseball.com for more information on those tickets. Uh, Mark, let's jump into week 13. I think I said week 12 at the top, but it's week 13 if I did. Um, my document says week 12. That is incorrect. Um <laughs> One more week. I mean, a week from today, not a, yeah. not a week from right at this moment necessarily, mm-hmm. but a week from today, we will be standing in Hoover, Alabama, as hard as that is yeah. to believe. Um, it is it is here. It is upon Where us. And, the, yeah. Where's the year going, man? No, no kidding. You're telling me. Um, and it feels like we got some, you know, big picture thought real quick. It feels like we got some clarity last week and in some ways. the The kind of separation that we've talked about in the SEC, I think, has gotten a little more so. Mm-hmm. Still some things to decide, of course, the rest of the way, but but it feels like we have a pretty good feel for where things stand moving forward. So um and that that's kind of what you're what you're uh hoping for is is that you know, as a team you you have some clarity on what you need to do that final weekend. There are some teams that are gonna be scoreboard watching, don't get me wrong, but mm. there are a lot a lot of opportunities for teams to control their own destiny. And I hate that phrase because uh by definition, destiny is something that's going to happen regardless of what you do. Um, So I hate the phrase controlling your own destiny, but as a sports consuming society, we have not yet come up with another phrase that kind of controls their own fate, I guess would be the the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Controls their outcome. There you go. Let's just do that. Uh, There there are a lot of opportunities for teams who control their own outcome to do so over the final weekend. Yeah. And and it's always interesting because we, uh, you probably do too. You get these questions. Well, how many wins does so-and-so need? To, to get in the tournament or to, or to host or to be a top eight. Well, in a vacuum, you could answer that, right? But there's other teams out there playing games too. And what if what if all of them, you know, control their outcome, so to speak? And then you're right back to the status quo. So it's it's not just what you do. You want to put yourself in the best, you know, in, in the best position. It's also what those teams you're competing against and will be evaluated against is what they do as well. And that's the fascinating part of this, right? Because you can do everything that you need to do and somebody else who's just a little bit ahead of you, they do everything they need to do and you don't gain any ground. And, and that, that's and that's the challenging part of keeping up with all that and understanding who you're being evaluated against. And that's what we'll do uh, over the next couple of weeks is watching all that and evaluating it and letting you know where you stand. 
right? And and that's the, I mean, that, that's the part that that we're good at and we love to do. And it's going to be a going to be an amazing ride these next couple of weeks. No doubt. Yeah, a lot of baseball over the next. When you consider that you know Hoover's going to have baseball Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday over the next, you know, two weeks, ten days, or twelve days, like it's um pretty jam packed. So <laughs> a lot of, you know, a, a lot of moving parts. Let's talk about some results over the weekend. I put at the top of the sheet. I don't know if it's the most important thing, but it, I, I kind of found it the most interesting thing is is LSU dropping its second consecutive series. Um, and you know, I certainly didn't have them dropping series to Auburn. And you know, Auburn is one thing; they're playing well right now. They can really swing it. They're finding some answers on the mound. So okay, you know what? Like, and it's hard to a win team on the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, and so that that's a team playing pretty well. Okay, got it. But. Mississippi State at home, mm-hmm. like, is not something I really would have had on my on my bingo card. And right. I think the big takeaway here, and you wrote this in the, the weekend dish, and and I would recommend if you haven't read it, go check that out at D One Baseball SEC Extra Marks Weekend Dish, a jam packed edition of the weekend yeah. dish. A lot of good stuff in there this week. Yeah, I'm gonna need about... rest day. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, we need to we need to put Mark <laughs> on load management, considering yeah. how much uh, how much baseball we've got coming up. The LSU bullpen has real issues, and it's not like that's a surprise. But to see it play out this way yeah. was kind of jarring to me. Like I've been, I've acknowledged, and I, you know, I do Baton Rouge radio weekly, so I'm very much on top of the the pulse of what's happening in in Baton Rouge uh, as far as the perception of the program and the team. And I, I understand leading up to this week that the the panic about the pitching staff. But I think this was on a whole nother level this weekend, allowing the Mississippi State offense to do what it did, especially yesterday when you're up, LSU's up 13 to four, end up losing that game. And we'll talk about the offense in a second, because I find that just as jarring that the offense just kind of stopped scoring. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, and let Tyler Davis throw a bunch of scoreless innings who had an ERA over 10 coming into the game. Um, So my my big take, well, let me pause there because I, I have more, but let me let me pause there and get your reaction, Mark, because, you know, I, I'm yeah. sure you watched plenty of it as well. Yeah, there was a lot going on yesterday, but that was the most compelling. I mean, it looked like a train wreck you were watching in slow motion. Right. You knew it was you, you knew it was, there was going to be a collision and it was just a question of would you survive it or not? And and they, they couldn't. I mean, they gave it up in two innings. Uh, that was really a nine run lead evaporated in two innings. And I'd like to say it was because they didn't throw strikes and because they didn't really throw strikes, but they were also getting hit. Right. So it's, it's, if you throw strikes, you're, you're getting lit up. And if you don't throw strikes, you're walking people. And there's, what are your, what are your other options? There's not a, not a C box to check. Right. So you just got to be better. Right. That, that's, that, that's where they are right now. Uh, got three, they got three good starts. Obviously, Skeens is Skeens. He was incredible once again. Most consistent arm in this league that at least, I mean, I've got gray hair and I don't remember anybody this consistent. Uh, the other thing is Floyd was good this week. He was really good. Then, you know, they had a big lead there or at least a substantial lead and the bullpen couldn't hold it on Saturday. And then Javen Coleman's coming back from from Tommy John and, you know, he's on limited pitch count. He didn't give up a hit. While he was in there, he walked some people, but he, he pitched he, he pitched well. I'm sure they were pleased with that. It's just everything behind them. 
and, and they don't know what they get. And that's the, the frustrating part because like a guy like Thatcher Hurd, you put him out there one day and he's just filthy. And then the next day he doesn't get an out. And what do you do if you're, if you're trying to pull those strings? Cause I mean, you, you got the guys you got, you got a bunch of injuries. You, you got some guys that aren't performing. There's, there's no one else to go to. You, you, you've got to go with, with the guys you got. And, and, just on a sidebar here, that's what makes it so fascinating to see what Auburn has done, right? A lot of teams around the around the country, I was going to say the conference, but really the country, are struggling to find outs, especially as you go deeper in the staff. And, and most of them haven't gotten any better. However, Auburn, on the other hand, can, their guys have grown and evolved, and guys who weren't getting outs earlier are just dealing now. And so, so that's what LSU's got to do. The talent is there. They have guys who can get outs, and you're not really looking for them to be shutdown guys. You're just you're just looking for competency at this point because the offense is 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 one of the best in the country. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be okay. And they're not they're nowhere near okay. They they need a welfare check at this point. I mean, it's you got to you got to make sure everybody's everybody's okay. It's it's rough. Yeah, that's that's a yes yes somebody please check in with the lsu bullpen. <laughs> um yeah so i think they're you know the offense that was weird ultimately i'm not like how could you be worried i mean yeah. you know about the offense really they would have to all go into a massive slump at the same time i think for that to become worrisome so i don't see that happening i think with L- what's interesting about lsu when you look at the postseason is that I think their level of comfortability in a home regional, because they are still going to be hosting, yeah. um, and will probably be a national seed. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, it, it feels like they're pretty matchup dependent. Like what they're really looking for is an overmatched four seed, mm-hmm. and everyone is. Uh, like I get that, yeah. and I don't know enough about the current crop of four seeds to, to tell you which ones you know which one they don't want to draw but i'm i guarantee you there's a four seed out there they don't uh you know obviously strong possibility of a south one four just for sure geography right and you know it's not been a great year in the southland so Mm -hmm. like you know that's that would be a good draw they they often get the swag champion Mm -hmm. um that that's a pretty common one especially like when it's southern because that's like they you know southern could could walk over basically um and Alabama State's really good this year. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know the ups and downs there. But anyway, we're getting bogged down. But the point got is, a Friday guy, so. they're, they're looking for an overmatched four seed where, A, they don't have to throw, like, I don't think they're going to throw skeins against any four seed. I, I wouldn't anyway. Um, Certainly not. Then again, not after not. you, did you watch this weekend? <laughs> I wouldn't, <laughs> right. I would take my chances with the four and, and try to beat the two with skeins. Yeah. And I am firmly on just by the way. So we get on the record. I am firm. If you're a host, I am firmly on, unless you have a pitching staff where you're, where your, your Friday guy is not necessarily that much better than your Sunday guy. You know, there are some rotations mm-hmm. that are like that, you know, unless you have a rotation like that, I tend to be on team. Hold your ace. Because a couple things. One, you play to win the regional, not to win two games. Good point. Secondarily, if you're a host team and you can't beat your four seed, and I don't care who it is, like I don't care if it's, you know, a champion from a small northeastern conference or if it's Wright State, which is like annually the most dangerous four seed in the field. Mm-hmm. If you can't, you know, if you're if you're 
whatever, if your number two starter can't beat that four seed, like you're going to probably going to have trouble winning the regional anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I tend to yeah, be I mean, very much on team save your ace. And, and so LSU is, is looking for that kind of matchup, not only just because they can throw, I don't know, Ty Floyd or Javen Coleman in that first game, but also because whoever pitches, you're confident you're going to score enough runs to where you can kind of just leave them out there. And if right. they give up three, four or five runs, as long as you score eight, nine, 10, 12 runs, you're okay. Yeah. They just need to save as many of their cards as they can for that Saturday game. If they, if they get there, obviously. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a mid-major host, this may not apply, but if you're one of these SEC, big 12, ACC host, there's not a person on that four seed typically who you would have recruited. Okay. So you need to be able to beat them with someone on your staff, right? With someone uh, who's not your ace, whether that's your two, your three, or a freshman who's come on, you know, late in the year, those kinds of things. So that, that's the part that's, it's always fascinating to me to see how coaches do it because we've all seen coaches hold their ace and then lose and their aces in the elimination game the next day. All right. And, and those are the cautionary tales. And every time everybody points to those and go, ah, got you, you, you know, you, you, you did it wrong. Well, I've also seen it work where, you know, the coaches do hold their ace and, the, and their ace is pitching the most difficult game. And then they roll through and they win it and nobody brings those up. Right. Because they're, they're not the exception. So, but, but going back to LSU, it's just one of those things where, They've got, you know, they've got a big league pitching coach, and and the results this far, thus far have just been just baffling, man. I just don't understand how pitchers this talented or this, you know, are struggling. It's got to be mental at this point, don't you think? Because because the the talent they've got guys everyone wants, and they've got great instruction and all the benefits and resources that you could want. And it's just not working. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't know we're not in their heads, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's too much of a leap to, to say that there's a mental component here. I think it's also not nothing that they have guys coming off of injuries. I mean, Thatcher heard missed most of last season. Now mm-hmm. at this point he's been pitching for three months. And so there's that, but you know, they took a lot of time off. Nate Ackenhausen missed time during the season and is coming back. And, and that can be a mental struggle or hurdle as well, whether whether it's because you're still feeling something or because, you know, you 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 there's a mental block about not wanting to get hurt again. You know, there's just a lot of yeah. things that play in. So, you know, I I think that's probably a, a fairly reasonable guess. There is a mental component here, but. One way or the other, they're going to have to figure it out well enough to get to a regional. They're in better shape to win a super than they are a regional, just because you mm-hmm. have you're going to have skeins in game one, and then you basically even if you flip a coin for those last two games, you feel mm-hmm. pretty good about that. So, um, they're in better shape for that than they are for a regional. So, yeah, but, but they are going to have to figure out some things in the mound for a regional. Yeah, the other thing about that series is Mississippi State does not quit. Okay. Uh, that they were down nine runs on getaway day and I mean, and they, they kept fighting. So that, that's a good sign. If you're looking at big picture things for a program uh, that, I mean, quite frankly, they're a long shot at this point to make it to Hoover. They're going to need a whole lot of help. And, and then they've got to, they got to sweep. So for them to, you know, realize what they're up against and, 
continue to fight, continue to claw and have some pride and competitive spirit. Uh, that said a lot of, uh, about the program and, and probably the big picture. And I'm talking kind of in riddles here, but I do think that with, if you have a team that really knows Stavs at the end of the year, it doesn't bode well for a coach that's, that's getting some heat. And if they trend up and they don't have to win games, but if they play well, you know, cause you don't win every game you play well, but if you're playing well at the end of end of the year, then that's a different message completely. It's a good point. It's why I hesitate to, and I've been guilty of this. I, I did radio earlier this this or this past week, and, and somebody asked me if if Mississippi State was done, and I was like, boy, it sure looked like it, you know, against Arkansas. And but it's one of the reasons why I hesitate to go there, just because you don't know. And when you're losing games, it always looks like you're done <laughs> because it doesn't look pretty, mm-hmm. you know. And it's hard to have good body language when you're getting you know, yeah. just run all over the field, you know. It's just it's it's hard to look good that way. And but it was a tale of of two of two weekends in terms of you know, Mississippi state doing what they did. And then Ole Miss having the weekend that, that they did. And we'll talk about Ole Miss later, but you know, that they weren't competitive against Auburn and now they're just, they're done, done. Their season will be over after next, next weekend. And Mississippi yeah. state's likely will be too, uh, but they do have something to play for here. And you know, uh, that is, that is something. So kudos to them for, for showing that fight and coming back and, and doing that because a lot of, a lot of teams would not, with the, with the chances of them getting to Hoover as remote as they are. And they didn't know the result of the Miss, the Missouri game at that point, obviously. So, right. um, so, you know, it's not like they knew how long the odds were, but they understand the deck is stacked. So kudos to, to them for fighting that way. Florida swept Vanderbilt. That's my next thing here. Uh, and, and first of all, Aaron fit was, was there for this series. Yeah. So head to D one baseball.com. And if you want more on this series, read Aaron's work. Frankly, it wasn't, all that competitive, Mark. Yeah. The scores weren't all awful. There was a 10 to nothing to start the series, but the, the rest of the scores weren't, you know, didn't dis- fully describe, I thought, just how much of a comprehensive bludgeoning this was. Uh, Florida yeah. from start to finish really ran Vanderbilt off the field. It should be said Vanderbilt without Carter Holton, without Hunter Owen. That's a factor, of course, but even still, it just didn't look like the Commodores had much for the Gators this weekend. Yeah, it, it did. It looked like Florida was poised and ready for this series, like it had been a focus. And they look like, you know, they look like a national championship team this weekend. And if they pitch like that and continue to hit the way they they, they did, oh my goodness, they're a they're a handful for anybody. Uh, and, and and then you look at Vandy. It, Obviously, when you you don't have two of your horses, it can affect you uh, mentally at the plate. But neither of those guys hit, okay? And and Vandy's been a competent offense all year, and this is two weeks in a row they really haven't gotten it done on offense. Even the game they won against Alabama, they scored four runs. Um, Alabama's playing better, but it's still you you would expect your your big output to be at more than a four run uh, outburst. So I'm a little concerned about Vandy. I mean, they've got a, a red-hot Arkansas team coming to Nashville, and I know it's at home, and Vandy's only lost one SEC game at home all year, but they also had their rotation from, you know, big parts of that too. So it's a, it, it's really a team that's kind of at a crossroads, I think. It, it's where 
because if if they can scratch through and take two out of three this weekend, they're right back in that national seed, you know, mix. Or if they struggle and they drop the series, um, they're they're not going to be a, a top eight unless they make a run in Hoover. So it's they've lost two in a row, and you got a really big ask coming up. It's it, it, it's 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 challenge time. It really is for Vandy. It's a, I would I looked up quickly while you were talking the SEC conference only stats and I think there's the phrase that I've seen it attributed to Winston Churchill but it's one of those things where there's a lot of quotes that are attributed to Winston Churchill that weren't actually you know what I mean like yeah. it, but anyway about lies damn lies and statistics yeah and the two top hitting teams in the SEC for average mind you and, and batting average is only one metric but is Kentucky and then Vanderbilt and I don't. I don't see those as being too like those are, I mean, no disrespect, mm-hmm. but those feel like middle of the pack at best offenses in the sec. And they don't hit with it. Part of what I'm doing there is they don't hit with power. Like that's part of it. I think a quick scan here, Kentucky is last in the sec and home runs in sec games. That's not a surprise. Vanderbilt is still ahead of Ole Miss and shockingly Arkansas in sec games in terms of, home runs but but still it's not an offense that's known for that kind of production you know rj shrek certainly is is you know a big time power bat but it's not a lineup that's full of guys who are going to run the ball out of the yard so their their lineup has been competent this year has in sec games has been even very good in sec games at times but i i I do wonder if that's a a lie maybe a damn liar it obviously is a statistic, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just don't have, feel like I have a feel for how good this lineup actually is. And then they have a weekend like this. And again, going back to my Mississippi state point, it's easy to say like, ah, oh, their lineup is fool's gold coming off of this weekend. And maybe it is, but I have started to suspect that like, maybe that, you know, that, that has been a little misleading that they've been the sec's top or close to the top offense for batting average during conference games, because what is it, you know, the last couple of weekends, what is that added up to? Could just be a couple of bad weeks, but, but we'll obviously see for Florida. I, you know, I, there were two to me on the mound. There were two big developments here. One is obviously Jack Caglione start best start of the season. More than you could have asked for only gave up one hit and one run through a ton of strikes, not just because he only issued one walk, but also because I think it was like, you know, 103 pitches and 75 strikes or something, you know, I forget the exact numbers, but it was in that neighborhood. So that's huge. Obviously he's not going to be that guy every time out, but if he's more like that guy, every time out, they're going to be in really good shape on the mound. I also thought it was important that, you know, they had Hurston Waldrop only, you know, I think only pitch one inning, maybe two innings. I I don't have the box score in front of me, but something like that because of a weather delay, one inning because of a weather delay. Yeah. Right. And they won that game. They had, they had to have a bullpen game and they got it done because that, that has been a thing for Florida. We've talked about it. Uh, you know, the, the, the bullpen being inconsistent and it feels like they found a core there and then they got thrown into a situation where they needed eight bullpen innings in game two of that series and they got it done. So that was, that was pretty impressive. And I think it showed something for that unit. So ultimately I think both of these teams are still in good shape for national seeds. We will talk about that a little more here shortly. Um, but if you're Vanderbilt, you know, when you, when you get past the resume, you're, you're certainly, and look, they have Arkansas coming to town this weekend. That's not easy. At least it's at home in Nashville. That'll be helpful. But you, 
you want to create some kind of momentum going into Hoover. <laughs> that that's seems certain. Uh, you don't want to go into Hoover having lost three straight series. Um, and so that I think this will be an op. This will be a big series, even if they don't win it. They just need to play well because it, it felt like they just didn't play particularly well this past weekend. Yeah, agree. Um, all right, let's move on to Arkansas winning its series. Speaking of Arkansas, winning its series with South Carolina, and I think the big bold headline here is Hunter Holland, uh, complete game on Sunday, gave up one run, best start of the season. Arkansas continues to just get it's like somebody different every weekend they continue to just get somebody who steps up and you know holland's been a guy all year so it's not like this came out of totally nowhere but he had been fading a little bit and i started to think that maybe he was running out of gas and but here here was his best outing of of the season and and arkansas continues to need to get these types of performances with the injuries they have and they still have some injuries on the position player side that are somewhat unresolved they just continue to find a way. And in this week, Hunter Holland really, you know, in, in a rubber game stepped up and, and gave him what they needed. Yeah. I, I think he needed a little, a little downtime. You know, they bumped him back to Sunday last week, kind of gave him a little extra, uh, a few extra days and didn't really go that well, but he, he didn't throw that much. So I, I think he kind of needed that reset and boy, he was, he was nails. If, if they have Hagen Smith, a stretched out Brady Tiger and this version of Holland. Oh my goodness, man. This is a team that can win it all. I mean, it's it, everything's there, especially as they're returning uh, lineup guys are, are, you know, get healthy. This is, this is a scary, scary club that's playing its best ball of the season right now. And it's, you know, as, as those guys come back, I mean, they play without two starters this weekend and they've been playing without two or three for you know for the during this hot stretch so it's it's a good looking club right now no doubt uh you know you they get tavian josenberger back still missing jared wagner obviously peyton stovall still out that's a thing but brady tiger you know it got stretched out a little bit more it was three innings this time but now he's thrown six innings that have been largely spotless um so he's looked really really good and they are kind of stretching him out in a starting role. It'll be interesting to see how far that goes. Is he someone when you get to a regional who could throw 75, 80 pitches? Could it be a hundred? Um, you know, we'll see, but certainly he has, uh, blown past, uh, I don't say expectations, but just he, you know, he, he, he is up a run. Yeah. He, he's yeah. checked every box is the way mm-hmm. I should say it. So that is, that is huge. I should mention for South Carolina, though they lost the series and there are lingering concerns there, they're healthier on the position player side now, mm-hmm. but now they're down Noah Hall. They were without Will Sanders this past weekend, but Jack Mahoney turned in much like Holland. He's yeah. been a guy all year for them, but he turned in his best start maybe of the season at a, at a good time to get them that win yeah. in game two. And, and as uh, yes, and as South Carolina is also kind of angling for national seed, th- their case is a little flimsier. We'll talk about that later, but as they angle for that, they, they couldn't get swept here. And so they get a win there uh, to kind of move that case forward. And, and and Jack Mahoney gave them, gave them what they needed. It still feels like a team that's whether it's the injuries or just because of regression to the mean, it feels like a, a team that's maybe a little bit of a shell of itself from a, if you go back a month when we thought, Hey, are they actually the best team in the sec? Because 
LSU hadn't lost series yet, but was kind of, you know, we were starting to see some of the cracks and, and South Carolina was playing really well that they've obviously fallen off, but in getting that one win, they at least stayed on track to put themselves in position to, you know, get where they want to go at the end of the season. Yeah. The other thing that's fascinating to me about South Carolina's case here is that they didn't miss any of the big boys out of the West. You know, they played all the good teams in the East and then they got LSU, they got Arkansas and Auburn, obviously they caught them at a bad time. Auburn's playing really well. So it's, you know, you wonder if the committee looks deeper into that. You know, if you look in the weekend dish, you can see the the um, intra-conference strength of schedule for for South Carolina. It's it's the, the best in the conference. And they got Tennessee next weekend, so it's probably going to remain the best in the conference. So it's it, it's been a challenging schedule, and they've navigated it pretty well. The, the injuries are a concern. Um, you know, they had one, one of their regular weekend starters – you know, I don't guess Noah Hall's coming back at this point. It's doubtful um, that we haven't heard anything on that. But and, and hopefully Sanders can can come back and give them something, you know, coming up in the finale because they, they certainly need uh, need a guy like that because when he's on, you know, he's he can beat anybody. So that's really the, the thing for me. It's get healthy and then what does the committee do when they look at that conference schedule? Because it's, even though your record might not be as good, well, it's because you played harder teams, right? So you, you have to evaluate that. Let's talk about some postseason stuff. I, I've said about a million times in this podcast, we'll talk about that later. Well, folks, welcome to later. Uh, we're going to talk about some postseason stuff. That is correct. So top of the top of the table, as they would say in, in England yeah. for, for football, as they call it, uh, Arkansas, 19-8 in the league, RPI 4. Florida, 18-9 and in the league, RPI is 6. LSU, 17-9 and in the league. Remember, they lost a game to South Carolina, so they've got a, a wonky number of games. But 17-9, RPI 5. Vanderbilt, 17-10, RPI of 7. I, I have that as the top tier. Mm-hmm. I think that is largely, not just because I did it, but I think that's largely kind of un, inarguable that that's the top tier there. Agree. And Mark, I... I would be curious your thoughts on of those four teams, if there are any that, that you feel are at risk of not being a top eight. Team. Because right now I think, okay. Yeah. It's Vandy because yeah. they've lost two, they lost their last two series and they've got Arkansas coming in. Right. So they're at home. That's the good, good part of this, but they're not healthy on the mound. So I'm concerned, right? If, if Holton and Owen, if neither of those go this weekend, they're going to lose that series. I just don't don't have enough confidence that. I mean, do you take you take two starters out of anybody's rotation, you know, against what might be the best team in the conference? Certainly, you can make the case that Arkansas is right now playing the best. And the best in Florida, yeah. So it's 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 a it's a tall tall uh, wall to climb here for Vandy. If those guys aren't healthy now, if they're healthy, it's a different conversation, but, um, so that, yeah, so that's who I'm concerned about. Uh, of course it's not just about what they do. Someone else has got to come take a top eight, right? Someone else probably in another league. Although, you know, if Kentucky has a good week against Florida, they could get into that mix. Right. So, but I do think that those top three barring something, you know, unforeseen, uh, Arkansas, Florida, Vandy. I, I think 
you know, unless they get swept or something, I, I think they, they're going to, they're going to be a top eight. And then Vandy just don't get swept. Um, and then don't go Owen one in Hoover and you're in the, you're in the discussion and then it's, you're being evaluated. You win the series, you're probably in. Yeah. It, the, the, yeah. The caveat on all this is that, you know, any of these teams, like it could get swept and it, totally changes the yeah. you know the dynamic here so that that's the caveat but we're we're, we're you know we're going to try to stick to the most realistic <laughs> scenarios yeah. uh, arkansas of course we've mentioned at vanderbilt florida's at kentucky that's tricky Tough. kentucky plays well at home like so that's tricky lsu's at georgia road games are tough yeah. ask tennessee about playing at georgia arkansas but yep yeah, right 100 percent arkansas um so we'll see um, you'd certainly like them to come away with a uh, LSU to come away with a series win there, but you know, th- th- there's you been some pretty extreme one anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. If nothing else, you should, you should get one there. Um, yes. Okay. So let's move on to kind of, I feel like there's a, a, a tier of two here and this is where the tiers get a little muddier. That one feels like the, one of the clearest tiers, but I have South Carolina and Kentucky kind of yeah. bunched up in the next tier. And so South Carolina is 15 and 11. Again, they, they're missing a games. They only have 26 uh, games in SEC right now. RPI of three. And then Kentucky is 15 and 12 RPI of one. And these RPI figures, of course, are as of Monday morning. They, they're subject to change, of course, and they will after Tuesday. But um, those two teams kind of feel like they're in the same boat where the metrics are such that if you you should be hosting if you don't get swept. South Carolina is playing Tennessee at home. Kentucky is playing Florida at home. If you don't get swept, you get to 16 wins. Your RPI is in the top five. Again, barring some other factors that really throw things into chaos, that feels like a host resume. Um, but I think that there there is some upward mobility here, mm-hmm. where if it, either of those teams sweep suddenly you're in national seed range. Maybe even if you just win two with RPIs like that, you know, if no one else comes and takes a top eight, I think maybe they're in that discussion, but these two teams kind of feel like in the band of it. Look, if they get swept, maybe they don't host. Um, So there is that possibility, but I think we're, we're going to bet on them getting at least one game, which would put them in the host discussion. So I feel like they're kind of alone in that specific tier. Yeah, I, I I agree with with most of what you said. I think the only thing to be concerned about is that if you're South Carolina, I mean, you've lost three series in a row. Um, you really do don't want to lose a fourth and expect to host, especially because the teams we're about to talk to could actually pass you in the SEC picking order. Um, you know, Tennessee could, could come up and take South Carolina's host if there's not room for both, or maybe it's Auburn, or maybe it's Alabama, right? So it's it's not just the teams in your tier now, Kentucky, because as you mentioned, there's not that huge delineation between the group. You got to stay ahead of those teams chasing you. So it's there's still plenty to play for. I don't think South Carolina has a host locked up. Also, don't think that it's impossible for them to get an eight, get a top eight. Right, they're they're in that range, you know, where they could be a top five overall, or they could be a two seed overall, you know, a two seed at somebody else's regional. It's 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 that that big a swing. 
I think Kentucky is destined, by the way, to have one of the most interesting resumes that we've seen. Because with three games left against Florida, whose RPI is six, their RPI might not be number one at the end of that series if they lose it. But it's probably not dropping out of the top five, right? And so they could be a situation going into Hoover of like, even if they get swept, they're 15 and 15. RPI of, let's just say, three. That that feels like a fairly unprecedented resume where, you know... Yeah, they're they're going to have an RPI that high, be about 500 in the league, and then Hoover becomes important. I I get that, but even just on its face, having a team that's been able to keep their RPI that high despite you know dropping some series, I mean they're they're going to end up in this scenario that I'm describing, they would end up losing more SEC series than winning, but finishing about 500, and having an RPI among the the elite in the country. So I I'd be fascinated to find out if if they go 15 and 15. Um, and at home, I would expect them to at least get a game against Florida. But, you know, let's say they get yeah. swept, they go 15 and 15. And then in Hoover, they, you know, they go one and two or two and two or something. Does that host just because the resume is like three or whatever it's going to be? You know, yeah, I think it's going to depend on where they are, where the committee views them in the SEC picking order. OK, because just because you're a top five RPI, they may view someone with a 10 or a 12 or 15 ahead of you. Right. And as we talked about, you know, Auburn and Tennessee and Alabama even can can get back into that discussion and maybe pass Kentucky even without the RPI. Because, you know, there's there's one thing I like to point out. And, you, you, Joe, you've heard this 100 times, heard me say it 100 times. RPI is a tool, not the tool. And sometimes the committee is very heavily weighted toward it. And in other years is just kind of sometimes used and sometimes not. And that's frustrating for people, but that's really using it as it's intended, right? Where it's just one of the pieces. There has to be other things, right? And and I think Kentucky going out and playing those road games uh, in, in non-conference, will that be rewarded? Because that's it's certainly being rewarded by the RPI, but will the committee look at that and go, well, it, this RPI isn't reflective of how we view you or yeah, this is what we want you to do. We want you to go out and we're going to reward you for doing it. And I think different people on the committee could look at it different ways. So it's, it's really tough to project. Um, the committee likes to, or in past committees have said, you know, we're not big on sending messages, but then they send messages, right. With, with, with how they, with how they see teams so it's it's it, it, again a great storyline to follow these next two weeks i can't wait yeah it's the, it, there's always like a metric du jour it feels like this is this is a discussion yeah. for a different day but there's like you know there was Spin the one the year where, where does it land <laughs> yeah there was the one year was it texas a&m that got left out at 15 and 15 in the sec Somewhere or 14 there. and 16 in the sec i guess because they they, yeah. they decided that their big thing that year was being 500 in your league 500 or better in your league, which, which really only applies to one conference. I mean, yeah. the ACC also kind of sometimes, you know, we'll get a 14 win team or whatever, or 13 win. But regardless, the other thing I'll say, and again, this is really a discussion for another day. I've said before, I like that. There's that mystery to the way the committee is going to go, not just for entertainment purposes, although that's also true, but I just don't, I don't want us to ever get to a point where, you can 
understand the formula that gets you into the field so well that it becomes that it becomes a formula that it becomes a mathematical equation and we're and we're kind of already there with the way people play rpi and look god god bless it man if like if i i really appreciate coaches that are willing to do that kind of digging to understand you know how the rpi works and how they need to schedule and 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 put the work Mm -hmm. into it like i respect that but i do kind of wish there was a little more just kind of mystery or other metrics or just something else um so I, I do like that it's not necessarily just hey you know what if you if you schedule this way and you refuse to play these teams and you you know play a, a whole bunch of road games whatever it is that it's not just automatic i do like there being a little bit of a little bit of mystery there so it can't just be a you know a, a mathematical problem and, but yeah and i mean if if you're just going to go straight by the rpi you don't need a committee Right. You just need somebody you go, you put them in a spreadsheet and you hit sort. Okay. And that's, then you're done. (laughs) And, and I don't think that's really the, the kind of, kind of feel that we want. Okay. We want to have some nuance to it and we want to look deeper. Okay. Well, how was that RPI comprised and what other things do you have? You know, how did you do in your conference? How did you do in big games? How'd you do against the other teams that you're going to have to beat in the field? That's the stuff I care about. RPI is, it's cool. Right. We, we, we can we can have it over here to the side and it's valuable when you have teams that don't have any common opponents and, and teams change throughout the year to have some way to measure teams that don't have a whole lot in common. I mean, really, I mean, how, how do you know who's better between Stanford and Wake Forest? I mean, there's not a lot of commonalities between the opponents. Right. And so you need some way to measure it. And even if it's just in tiers. Right. This is a a top 10 and this other's a top 10. So they're comparable. This is a top 10 and this is a 60. Oh, well, maybe they aren't comparable because they haven't played the same caliber of competition. So that's the advantage of it. The disadvantage of it is sometimes you can game it. Sometimes it's not reflective of of the type of um, season that you've had in in either direction, right? Sometimes you're you're a top 10 team that's really not a top 10 team. Sometimes you're a 60 and you're really – one of the best you're you're in the d1 top 25 right so all of this all of that's part of it and that's why you need people there instead of just hitting sort it'd be a lot faster if they just hit sort it would be be you know they just as soon as the last game goes final on sunday you know and the tournaments just no i'm kidding save the travel budget of course i'm glad making them money (laughs) put that money towards extra scholarships (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there you go. That that might be a deal people are willing to take. Yeah. Um, okay, next here, uh, these are these are kind of potential hosts that could also be plausibly two seeds. I feel like uh, more so than than the others. Uh, Tennessee, fourteen and thirteen over in in um, excuse me in the SEC, RPI twenty three. Auburn, fourteen and thirteen RPI twenty. Alabama, thirteen and fourteen RPI eleven heck of a story Alabama getting into this conversation yeah. but they might be in the I don't want to say they're the best shape yeah, I mean, but they're certainly they're not in bad miss. shape the correct mean, they have they have old miss at home yeah what you're gonna get don't, there yeah like you know Ole miss is done like they're they're eliminated from from the SEC tournament so you know I that that is the just a big mystery there on on what kind of motivation you're gonna get from from Ole Miss um, because on one hand it's easy to say, well, maybe they'll just go out and play free and play, you know, whatever. But like 
why had they not been doing that before? I mean, it's not like there was the, you know, like you still got to get like, outs. <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway, so that's Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama. Those feel like teams that look with series wins. They're going to be right there. Um, you know, Tennessee maybe has now on the road against South Carolina is going to help the RPI. If they win that series, you have to imagine the RPI will be okay, mm-hmm. but they're not going to have one of those RPIs where, you're like, okay, well, you just got it to 16. Like if they go, if they finish 16 and 14 in the regular season with an RPI of 19, that's not automatic. That's going to be on the board. And then, you know, you have to do something in Hoover probably, which they might. I mean, that's a team that obviously won the dang thing last year. And last year was a different team, but they they do have pitching depth. You know, they they do tend to play well when the stakes are ramped up, you know, the last couple of years anyway. But um, so yeah, those teams feel like they're in a tier where it's like, Good weekend this weekend. You don't fall on your face in Hoover. You could be hosting, but there's also a pretty reasonable scenario where these end up being some subset of these teams are two seeds. Yeah. So Auburn's got Mizzou, who suddenly is, you know, really swinging the bats, man. So that that will be a, I mean, it certainly appears that will be an offensive kind of series um, with, with, with Auburn. It's, they're pitching better, but there's still, you know, Missouri has to feel okay about their chances to score some runs. The question is, can Mizzou pitch well enough on the road? Mizzou's won one road SEC game all year. Okay. So they're going to Auburn and they basically, you know, they probably have to win all three to, to get into the, you know, the, the regional discussion. And meanwhile, you have Auburn who, if they win, what if Auburn sweeps, man, then they're, they're in great shape, but if they win two out of three, then they go into Hoover with a chance to win their way into into a host spot. You know, assuming there's room. Um, it all, all depends on what these other teams do. You know, Tennessee and South Carolina and Kentucky and Alabama. Let's talk about them because you know a couple of weeks ago, you know they go down to LSU and get swept, and we're wondering if they're going to even make the tournament. Uh, and then here they are. Uh, one home series against Vandy and they go on the road and, and handle a and M in a in kind of a weird deal on Sunday where the game was canceled and a and M sent their players home and calls were made. And all of a sudden a and M's back at the ballpark and they're going to play late that night, Sunday night baseball. Right. So um, that worked out pretty well for Alabama who, who now is, as you mentioned, has a really good RPI and they host, the last place team in the conference. That's, that's a pretty, you know, there are no easy weekends, but that's, that's as easy as, as you're going to get. So, so what if they win that? And then you're looking at, you know, 16 and 14 with a top, say 12, top 15 RPI. Um, they're, they're going to Hoover with a shot, right? You, you don't lose that first game or maybe, you know, if if you get to Saturday, then I mean, you you could you'd be sure you'd have it, right? Maybe if you get to Friday, so it's it's one of those kind of deals where it's it's from a sports writer standpoint, it's fascinating because of all the, the the drama that happened earlier earlier this month. But this has been a team that you know in the preseason we had we had we had high hopes for, and they really just kind of, they lost a lot of close games and things just didn't go their way. Had some injuries and for this to, to turn around is, is just a kind of a fascinating uh, redemption story 
for, for this program. The next tier is kind of teams that I, I classified as having work to do to, to get to regionals. This is Texas A&M, 12 and 15, RPI 39. Missouri and Georgia, both 10 and 17. RPIs basically the same, 38 for Missouri, 36 for Georgia. Those are both long shots, especially when you consider, you know, Georgia's playing LSU. Oh, that's at home. We talked about that, but mm-hmm. Missouri is at Auburn. That's that's a tough draw, especially with how well Auburn is playing. Those are both teams that probably have to sweep and then yeah. do something in Hoover, right? Because neither of those RPIs are in, in a place where you're like, okay, a 13 win regular season can be offset by their RPI being top 15 or what have you. Mm-hmm. So those are super long shots. AM less so. They're going on the road to Mississippi State. The variable here is that, okay, you know, if AM can win the opener, does yeah. Mississippi State, because that would eliminate Mississippi State, mm-hmm. does that make the Bulldogs kind of fold up and then the sweep becomes yeah. a lot easier? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's a situation where, you know, AM could. It might be a little bit of a roller coaster weekend in, in Starkville, depending on how the results are going. The other way it could happen too, right? So if like, you know, if if Missouri and Georgia lose their opener, and Mississippi State wins its opener, and now it's yeah. like, okay, we're we're inching the direction we need to go. Like suddenly, that's A&M bad could be, in for a, A&M. Could, could be in a hornet's <laughs> nest, <laughs> yeah. you know. That's um, bad. So that that that'll be something to watch there. But so a couple long shots, Missouri and Georgia. Texas A&M I'd call less of a long shot, but, but certainly things could break to make life difficult for them. Yeah. So f- for A&M, certainly if they win one, they get 13 wins that their RPI is just not in a position to, 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 to put them in good, good standing. They would need to go on a run in Hoover. So you're looking at a winning two to get to 14 and 16. And in that case, I, you know, I, I feel pretty good depending on how the rest of the bubble goes and stolen bids and all that garbage. I think they'd have a shot, right? They'd have a pretty good shot. Um, then, but winning a game in Hoover would probably be enough Win that play in game on Tuesday. So that that's really the recipe for them. They need to win too. Uh, and, uh, and to your point, winning the first one to kind of take some of the, the hope uh, from the home crowd. Uh, Mississippi State's got to be feeling pretty good right now after going to LSU and, and winning the way they did. Um, still didn't pitch great, but their offense can carry them, and and they did. Maybe they found some found some things on the mound too, with just confidence with some of the guys that that, that did pitch well in their two wins. So then you know with, with you know you're looking at, at Georgia. I mean, I don't know that you can get to 12 wins, and then going to run in Hoover, I just don't have enough confidence in their pitching staff to to have an extended stay away from home. The the formula for them is they they've got they played well at home. And you know, they've got the Arkansas and in uh, what Kentucky and, and Tennessee. They they took all three of those right at home. So uh, there's there's precedent there. So they've just got to be able to to have some success um, maybe in game two and three and against LSU so that they can, you know, kind of exploit that LSU pitching staff. Uh, and then Mizzou, I mean, goodness, it's – they they were – I mean, I'm surprised they're still in this, right? We pick Missouri last every year, and they never finish last, okay? So we will eventually learn. But it's 
but it's there for them. They've got to go to Auburn. Auburn's playing great, but at least you have a chance where a lot of years you don't, right? And and they can get to. It looks like they're you know most likely they're going to get to Hoover. Um, they're sitting sitting pretty there, so that's a, always a, a cool accomplishment to get there and be part of the the end of the year party. So. And then that, that is, a, you know, those teams that know they have to win the dang thing to get into regionals. Mm-hmm. Although I guess, you know, there's a scenario where maybe that's not the case, but most likely that's what Mizzou and in, in Georgia, if they get in, are, are going to be looking at. And those those teams can be dangerous because they're mm-hmm. going to lay it all out there every they're not doing any managing of the pitching staff, you know, obviously mm-hmm. beyond just the standard stuff, but they're, they're going to throw caution to the wind largely. <laughs> and so those teams yeah. are those teams can be dangerous. Um. We've, we've talked about Mississippi State, so we'll just kind of breeze past that. But at 8-19, they've got AM this weekend. They need a sweep. They need some help with some sweeps elsewhere. Extremely yeah. unlikely, but kudos to them for getting into this position. And then Ole Miss eliminated at 6-21. and 21. Not something I expected. I think they'll, there'll be time for Mark and I to do a postmortem on that at some point in the future. I certainly need to sit with it for a little bit longer probably to kind of really – give it a think of, of why they are where they are. I mean, we could, you know, sling from the hip on some theories and some of it's obvious, right? I mean, just the injuries in the mound injuries. Yeah. Right. I mean, that that's, that's, that's certainly obvious. I'm less certain of why the lineup didn't seem to click necessarily. So, you know, again, we'll, we'll do a postmortem at some point down the line, but did not expect to have Ole Miss being the, the first team eliminated from, from getting to Hoover. Yeah, it is. And that lineup at the top is just star studded and and they had pretty good years. It just hasn't really equaled wins. And, and a lot of that is just the, the end of the game. Right. Um, so that's the thing that they've had some, some weeks where they started starting pitching was pretty good, but, uh, and then just hadn't been able to sustain it once the starter leaves. And yeah, that's, that's going to be, it'll be fascinating to see how they finish is basically their season over. Cause it, they weren't competitive against Auburn uh, and they'll be on the road in Alabama and Alabama's feeling really good about themselves and they got plenty to play for. So it's, that'll, that'll also be a, you know, they're, they're all fun coming up this weekend. There's a storyline in every single series, plenty to play for. And, and I can't wait to dive into it. We are just about there, and that's a good segue to closing the show, uh, this episode of Highway to Hoover. We will be, like I said, a week from today, we will, you know, boots on the ground in in Hoover, Alabama, uh, getting ready to watch the SEC tournament. And you can join us there by buying tickets to our live show Monday, May 22nd, 7 p.m. Get yourself a draft beer, get the chance to answer, have a question answered on stage, get a chance to see Mark and I's smiling mugs. you know, and, and get a chance to mingle with some other SEC fans uh, who are who are going to be there for the event. We think it's going to be a, a pretty a pretty fun group, a pretty good group. You know, mix different fan bases, and mm-hmm. um, we, we've Mark and I, I think the big one of the big picture goals with SEC Extra is to build a community. Uh, um, you know, and so this is this is a step in that direction. So come join us, be a part of it. Again, go to d1baseball.com for more information on that and to purchase your tickets. We look forward to seeing you there. That will do it for this edition of Highway to Hoover. Thank you to Brock's Gap Brewing Company, speaking of which, for sponsoring this and every episode of Highway to Hoover. Thank Mark. Thanks to Mark for joining me as always. Thanks to you for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon.